Welcome to Ear for Fear. I'm Rick, and this is the podcast that talks about scary movies or movies trying to be scary. Today, we are joined once again by Jake Poindexter. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for coming back out. Uh, you uh, you were here last time, and we did Hellraiser. Great movie, great movie. Yeah. Um, oh, before, before we jump into this, I want to do a quick synopsis, but really fast spoilers. And don't forget to check out Lesser Sons. Uh, Instagram, Lesser Sons Band. Yes, sir. Facebook, Lesser Sons. They're available on Spotify, Apple Music. If you're not listening to them, you should be listening to them. And if you're not following them, you should be following them. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's do a quick uh, synopsis of The Exorcist 3, which is what we're doing today, uh, 1990. Um, a police lieutenant uncovers more than he bargained for as his investigation into a series of murders, which have have all the hallmarks of a deceased serial killer leads him to question patients at a psychiatric ward. Exorcist 3. You recommended this? This is a great, great movie. This is a great movie. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I remember when this came out, I was working at the movie theaters at the time. Uh, the old Cynodomes. You remember the old Cynodomes? The old Cynodomes, yes. <laughs> uh, they're, I don't know. There's still a theater there, but the domes are gone, long gone. I miss those. But I was there working uh, th- at the theater when this came out. So a lot of times I would just kind of in between breaks or at a break or in between whenever I'd hop in there and go check out scenes. And, and uh, of course I've seen this several times and this is a phenomenal movie. And I think it's a good movie in general, but I think what makes it is George C. Scott and Brad Dorff. Like, like they carry this movie. I think it would still be a good movie, but I don't think it'd be a great movie if, if they weren't in it, man. I, I think George C. Scott and, and Brad Dorff do carry this, but it's not just those two. It's, um, I, true. Forget the actor who plays Father Dyer, but the rapport between George C. Scott and and Father Dyer is just phenomenal. It's really good. And I really think it calls back to this is a movie that was directed by the guy who also wrote the book. And this is a very much a writer's movie. Like the dialogue is just unreal. It's witty. It's funny. It's amazing. Great, great dialogue. It is. It is. Um, And uh, and it's interesting with this movie. Um, There are characters from from this movie that are from the original movie from the exorcist, the original exorcist with Linda Blair, Max mm-hmm. von Sydow. exorcist two. I saw one time it was a hunk of crap. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you anything about it. Other I will than tell it was, you this about it. Like yeah. I, I, 
I don't think I've watched the entire Exorcist 2, but I do still have like little creepy moments of the little kid, you know, they're running out into the field and they find the kid and he looks up and says, I am Pizuzu. Like that part is still burned into my memory and still freaks me out every once in a while. That and that alone. Yeah, yeah. The rest of that movie was garbage. I'll be but honest. That part was spooky. I'll be honest, man. I watched it. I want to say I watched it late 80s, early 90s. I remember, God damn. I remember where I watched it and I'm thinking, oh, I hadn't seen this. I'm, Why didn't I see this? Okay, let me check it out. And that was one <laughs> and only time. I don't remember anything other than it was bad. Yeah, it, it was, was. It was bad. So anyways, this one is not bad. This one is good. Um, and uh, what we have here is is um, we have, let's run down the characters. Uh, Kinderman is played by George C. Scott. Um, yep. What What is his, is he a lieutenant? What is uh, he? What is his? He is a lieutenant. He's I a believe. lieutenant. Okay. Um, and we have Father Dyer. Um, we have the Gemini Killer played by uh, Brad Dorif. We have uh, Doctor Temple, Nurse Allerton, Father Karras. Of course, everyone would know Father Karras from There's the first your spoiler. Exorcist. There's your spoiler. Yeah. Uh, Father Karras, uh, Stedman, which I believe is like a. I don't know what is he is he like a he's like a cop or something he's uh yeah an I, investigator I, I don't know what he is he's 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 not as high up as is George C. Scott's character uh, but he's yeah. you know uh, and then his partner Ryan we got Nurse Keating which you know that's kind of important because she comes into play later and Julie yes. which is the daughter there's a few other characters I mean his his wife the mother in law there's other people in this but I think these are kind of the main characters yeah right? I, I I think I I tend to lose interest in the you know characters in the periphery unless those performances you know particularly stand out for me so yeah um, we're getting into the uh, the deep cuts of of, of I don't want to do that. I don't want to go into victim number one, two, and three, and and the you know the bartender and this. I don't. I don't. That yeah. stuff just doesn't. Yeah, man. I'm good with yeah the main the main people. Um, um, and this is you know this is a this kind of takes. So let's try to let's try to break this down so we can kind of give a foundation. Basically, this is 15 years after, uh, Father Karras uh d- supposedly died. Yes, 15 years. Um, he is everyone who hasn't seen Exorcist. Hopefully you have, but if you've seen it, you know, in, in the, at the end of the original Exorcist, he gets uh, possessed by Pazuzu, um, essentially to save Regan's character. And he throws himself out the window. Yes. And in the process of that, he supposedly breaks his neck or whatever else he's, he's dying. Yes. And, and so we assume he died. Well, and I believe that the priest who's coming along at the end of uh, at the end of that, when he lands and is holding his hand and giving him his last rites, was Father Joseph Dyer, who is played by another character in this movie. Yes, I believe you're right. There's a lot of character overlap. I that could be guessing that I I could be wrong, but I think I, you know, yes, I'm not positive. We should have probably looked that up, but I think (laughs) we could look it up. I think it's um, on the computer screen if you want to take a look. Um, But I think you're right on that. Definitely a completely different actor altogether. Um, And uh, we think that father Karras is dead, um, but that's not really what happened here. Um, We have a Gemini killer played by Brad Dorff, who's phenomenal in this. Uh, He's a serial killer. He killed several people. Yep. He was caught. He was executed. Yes. So they think he's dead. 
Right. Um, and what I can't remember is for the sake of being accurate, I don't know if in the movie he's been executed, but I know that he was caught by the police in the book and he died in a hail of gunfire. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So yeah. in the book Legion, yes. William, uh, written by William P- Peter Blatty. Yes. Who also wrote The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Yeah. And he he wrote this and he directed this. Um, kind of similar to our when you uh, came over for the uh, the, the Hellraiser episode. Yes. And, these are, uh, yeah. Both of them were movies that were directed by the man who also wrote them. The Correct. Book, so. Correct. Um, and so um, I don't know. I, you know. I thought he was executed, but maybe he wasn't. I, I Shoot. I just watched I, it this morning. Did, you think I would remember this. I uh, don't know if it's ever said in the film. And I know there's a couple of different versions of this movie. So maybe it was said in one of them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's beside the point. The point the is point. he's dead. The man he's is dead. dead. He's dead. And and we think Father Karras is dead. But what we have here is, uh, let's call it Pazuzu. Pazuzu the demon is basically taking the spirit, the soul, out of the Gemini killer and inserting, inserting it into the body of Father Karras. Yes. From what I understand, yes, that Pazuzu is a character in the periphery of what's going on. The Gemini killer has died. And Pazuzu is now facilitating the Gemini killer into another vessel, another body of there a dead or dying person. Correct. Um, in order to get revenge on the people who are still alive that facilitated his uh, removal from said character. From, from Regan. Yeah. yeah, from Regan. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting, man, um, because. You know, I've seen this several times, but, you know, sometimes I don't know if you do this. Sometimes you watch a movie and when you're when you're sitting down to do an episode, I I look at it uh, differently than when I'm just re- just sitting down regularly and just watching it for pure enjoyment. Yeah. So sometimes I don't catch stuff. Yeah. I'd watch this at least a handful of times over the years. And there were certain things I didn't catch. Yeah. I think well, then when you're in a certain mindset, you're, you're kind of wanting to be able to suspend disbelief and you're not analyzing everything and critiquing everything that you're watching. You're just kind of along for the ride and letting yeah. things happen. So some of the dialogue that I didn't catch before, you know, through, through Brad, you know, Dorf's character, the Gemini killer. And then I catch now I'm like, Oh my God, all this stuff makes mm-hmm. sense some of it made sense before but some of it didn't yeah. when you're saying things like certain parties were uh things like that and you realize exactly. that he's talking about pazuzu pazuzu know? yeah and it's and so so pazuzu is pissed off pazuzu the demon is pissed off look you exercised me from this 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 child back in to me i think yeah. the exorcist came out in 73 but what's funny is is I know we're kind of jumping ahead, but at the very end, the tombstone said 1975. And I don't understand that. No, like, I don't know. And so I don't know if that's even relevant, but I'm like, I mean, we, there's, there's, there's definitely plot holes in this. I mean, okay. I, I have a plot hole that's always bothered me about okay. this film too, is that um, if you go back to the original exorcist um, and there's Lieutenant Kin- Kinderman uh, is played by a different actor. Was it Lee Cobb? I want to say the, the what is that? Is he supposed to be the same? Character? He's the he's the same uh, cop that was investigating the death of Burke Dennings, and he approaches Father Karras in oh. The Exorcist for the first time and introduces yeah. himself. And so they go throughout that movie, and and he's there when Father Karras comes out of the window, but in The Exorcist Part Three. 
he's constantly talking about how he was his best friend yeah. and how they had this really long relationship where they always went to the movies together and things like that. And George C. Scott has this line where he says he was my best friend. I loved him. Yeah. But we actually saw the entirety of their relationship in the original Exorcist film. And that's supposed to be the same so character. It's the same character. Yes. Okay. Then I, and I thought that was the case that yeah. that is that that makes no sense. It's, but it is, it's one of those things. Okay. That's weird. Let it go. Yeah. It, it, you need to let it go to enjoy this film. And, yeah, and true. I still, it, this film still works for me. Oh no, it does. It, I mean, it's... you remove the one line where he says he was my best friend. I loved him. And you still have a very intense scenario where two people that were involved in something crazy, like an exorcism, um, you know, developed a relationship. And yeah. even if they, it didn't go any further than that, you know, how many movies do you have where characters are together for 24 hours and they forge like a, a great relationship, oh, sure. you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so it's possible. It, it is. It is possible. Um, so the beginning of this um, movie, um, we've kind of, you know, laid down, I think the foundation of what we're going to see. Uh, we have a uh, Kinderman is, he's uh, basically called to a, a scene um, where it's, it's, it's basically a death of a child here. Um, and, and, and this child he knew, um, and he was decapitated and I believe wasn't, was it the head of a statue was put in its place without going into too many of the, uh, you know, there's a lot of racial undertones to this particular, um, killing, um, that's probably not necessary to go into, but it's heinous. It's disgusting in every version, you know, every, every way you can think of being disgusting. This is a, a horrendous, heinous crime. Yeah. And so he, you know, he investigates this. Well, he notices some things about this death other than obviously, you know, the, the, it being as bad as it is, he notices a few things. Um, and so, um, I, I'm trying to remember the the second death. Uh, is that was that the the was that the priest inside was, the church that was yes. taking confession? Correct. Yeah, which I believe that was Father Canavan was his name. Okay. Um, and the second killing is is the priest in the confession chamber. Yeah, and 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 um, we're starting again. He's starting to see a a I guess a um, a, a constant. Uh, you know certain things that he he remembers from let's say the Gemini killer. Uh, he's starting to see these, which yeah. is is it's disturbing to him because he knows the Gemini killer is dead. Yes, and he's starting to see the you know the, the similarities uh, with these killings. Now, from from an audience perspective, you know you and I watching this, we don't see we're seeing we're seeing him pulling uh, let's say a um, a sheet over and and looking at a hand and we see a left hand and we see a right hand and we're seeing we're seeing these things but we don't and that's that that's no, one we, of the we, yeah, we're not seeing we're yeah. seeing him doing that yeah. and he's viewing this and and you know we don't get to see any of this which is fine but we're we're going to understand the relevance down the road yeah you know and so um so then we get uh we get you know we get a little bit of character development and with him and and father dyer um you know you, you can tell there is a strong relationship there um they were both friends of father Karras. and i you know to me i never got the impression that that george c scott's character kinderman was 
look, he's who who knows how long he's been doing this and how many things that he's seen, how many different mm-hmm. killings and just of, of of everybody, including children. And then over time, you just you become maybe numb to it. And then this idea of whether there's a god or there's not a god. Yeah. I'm sure that was like, that was there. And maybe in the book, it's more there, but I never got that impression that he was just not a true believer of God. Like, yeah, he's, he's, he's pessimistic and negative about, about these things, you know, about, okay, well, if, you know, if all these nasty, horrible things happen, well, how is there a God because of these things? I never felt like it was like this huge message, but it's, it's this, it's there. Yeah, he's very much a grizzled detective, you know, and he's he's played by somebody who was probably in his 60s at the time that he yeah. played it. And that's another thing that I have a hard time when I was rewatching this film is that if they made this movie now, there would be comment after comment of when are you going to retire, Kinderman? Because he is just so much older than the people they would put in movies today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... I, I do like the difference between the way the actor played him in the first movie. You know, he's almost kind of flattering to Father Karras when he approaches him on on the racetrack. Yes. He's like, you look like a boxer, John <laughs> yeah. Garfield. Yeah. And then George C. Scott, he's, you know, taking this character on and it's 15 years later and he doesn't have that flattery to him. He doesn't have that, you know, kind of charming way. He's just jaded. He's grizzled. He's yeah. old. He's tired. He's beat down. He's seen things that none of us, you know, want to see. Um, But his crisis of faith, I think, his conflict of faith comes through in his, you know, his conversations with Father Dyer. You know, you have a conversation with a priest. Um, But I just like the, going back to the writing, I just like the idea that they introduce Father Dyer and they introduce uh, Lieutenant Kinderman. And each of them think that they are going to the movies because they're meeting up at the movies. Yeah. And I have to go meet him. It's the anniversary of yes. Damien Karras' death. He needs to be cheered up. And yeah. just that that cool little thing where they both think that they're doing yeah. it to cheer yep. the other one up. I, I loved, loved it. it. Dude, I did too. I, 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 it's funny. I, I, when I watched it this morning, I caught that. Like it was more prevalent than I had noticed it before. And it's like, yeah, you know, I'm doing this for him. But it's now, man. You guys are both doing it for each other because, I mean, you both yeah. need it, man. I mean, you know, but, but because of his, his kind of, like you were saying, you know, him, him being a Lieutenant and, and seeing all these things in this rough exterior, it's like, you know, deep down, no, I do need, I want that time with my friend and, you know, and, and going to just, to spend some time, you know, seeing it's a wonderful life, you know, and, um, and, and of course it's the anniversary of their friend, you know, um, you know, he won't, he won't admit it, but yeah, yeah, man, we all need that stuff. It's the way that, the way that, uh, men, at least in, in movies, you know, but I would imagine the way that men used to communicate when we didn't talk about our feelings with each other. Yeah. So they they talk about all these other things and you have to kind of read the subtext of what they're saying to what's going on with them. And yeah. so they, they're talking about religion and Father Dyer actually notices that, you know, there's something bothering him and he knows that it's the kid that, that yeah. he's reading about it in the papers. And that's when the conversation takes on its kind of horrific tone where he describes the killing. Yeah. And just the to go into that, like the the way that the actor and I forget the actor's name that played Father Dyer, but he was ah, freaking his name. brilliant. He something, was a, something Sanders, Corey, something. I don't know. Um, um, you know, I'll, I'll, let me look it up, man. We, technology is phenomenal, so he, we're gonna just the way uh, that he Ed reacts. Flanders. Ed Flanders. Ed Flanders. Yep. 
um great performance great performance oh, yeah. like his character i loved his character and i feel like i just believed him when when he said the things and so he went from being you know there was some great dialogue about uh you know when does it all right here's god you know uh oh all these terrible things are happening and yeah. and your god is dancing around like some kind of cosmic billy burke and he yeah, said don't yeah. worry it all works out yeah it all works out at the, and he's like when at the end of time that soon just those quick one-liners. <laughs> yes, it yeah. was the quips are just timing was great. It was oh, fantastic. Yeah. And that's the you know, and that's what you see as the result of 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 great acting, man. I mean, you know, it's it's you can have a great movie. You can have a great movie, a great idea, and, and the execution sometimes just isn't there. And and sometimes just acting alone can carry a movie because yeah. you know, look. You know, we're, we're, this is there's a lot of horrific things happening in this movie, and and yeah, it's classified as a horror movie, but there's a lot of other there's a lot of dramatic stuff that's happening that that you don't see in a, in a lot of horror movies. Yeah. But but this works, and I think like, that's go ahead. Oh no no, go ahead. Yeah, it was one of the one of the main things about this film that I love was that it's not a horror movie. It's yeah. more like a police procedural. It's it's a uh, it's a psychological thriller. That has a supernatural element to it. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of other movies. Uh, you know, I think like Batman comes to mind, the the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, mm. where every movie in the in the trilogy was actually a different genre. You know, um, another example of this would be like Alien to Aliens. Yeah. They, they switch big, genres. Big jump, yeah. And both of the movies are great. Like, that's the great thing about this is I wouldn't consider this a horror movie. I, I would consider this a psychological thriller with mm. a horror element, yeah. you know, in there. Yeah. I, I mean, I would almost argue Terminator to Terminator 2. You know, Terminator, yeah. the first Terminator it it almost feels like a almost like a slasher man if you yeah. if you oh, really yeah. you know i would have considered that a horror movie yeah. back in the 80s yeah. but yeah. people were like no it's an action and you know okay i i get that i get yeah. that the action you know uh part of it but then when you jump to all of a sudden a terminator 2 very different i mean both yeah. both great in their you know i mean i love both of them yeah. um you know but they both they have a, a seriously different feel oh yeah yeah you and know. i i honestly would look back at the first terminator is is every bit a horror movie yeah. The Terminator was a monster. You yes. see the monster, you see the blood, like it was horrific. And then you see this monstrous skeleton coming after uh, Linda, Linda Hamilton in the yeah. end after that. And then Terminator Sarah 2. Connor. Yeah. <laughs> I, they, I think it's a rare thing that, and it, it's a way to keep a franchise, which if you would call this a franchise, um, it's a way to continue the story and keep it fresh, change the genre. Like, the original uh, Batman Begins is more of like, I would almost consider that like kind of a, a little bit of a horror movie. That was the idea of it. Yeah. And then you go to The Dark Knight and it's full on, you know, like Michael Mann. Um, yeah. Uh, what's the heat? You know, something like yeah. a, a police yeah. procedural. And then you go on to the third one and it's like the disaster, big mm-hmm. budget, oh, you yeah. know, Avengers type movie. But yeah no we're getting I, off track here but no nah, that's nah, okay we can get off track all we want man it's our podcast do whatever we want uh so so we have we, so we have the two deaths we have you know we have this 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 with father dyer and kinderman and and you know and of course kinderman is you know after the two deaths he's again like i said earlier he's starting to see the similarity mm-hmm. to something we have we haven't found out what yet yes but we know this is eating at him and it's bothering him and he's and he's 
he's quite disturbed and I would say frightened because, you know, um, as we, as we see down the road, he should be with mm-hmm. this. Um, and then we get father Dyer again, we're jumping around a bit. We're not going to, we're not going to hit every scene. Um, if I forget something, please jump in and let me know. Um, but father Dyer ends up in the hospital. Yes. And, and, uh, and I don't know really what it is. I mean, who, who knows what it is at the time? Is it just something's going on? He hasn't maybe and he, he has a cough, ch- has and, a cough. Yeah. And that's another example of the fantastic dialogue between those two characters, between George uh, C. Scott and Ed Flanders. Um, he goes into this whole diatribe. He's like, I thought you said nothing was wrong. Cause he starts coughing. Yeah. He says, my brother Eddie had these, uh, had these symptoms for years. He's like, your brother Eddie died at 30 years old. <laughs> anyway um but yes he's in the hospital you know getting checked out they're running tests or whatever he's he's not telling them what it really is he's not telling them what they think it might be or what they're afraid it might be yeah because men just didn't discuss that stuff with each other no no what what i thought was funny though is he brought him a penguin (laughs) and i and i was like okay i can see you brought him a burger dude i could totally see that like yeah my i if i was in a hospital my buddy would bring me a burger but a penguin was weird to me. It was, it wasn't just a gag gift. It was, yeah, I think that's what it really what yeah. it boils down to because that's not Kinderman's character, right? That's, yeah. I'm not going to go and, and get you a um, penguin, a stuffed animal penguin because, you know, it's more of, yeah, kind of like Could be a like ha-ha. the type of thing that he found it on his way in <laughs> somewhere. Could've. For all or, you know, it's a, it's a inside, inside joke with them yeah. or something, you know. Um, but, but I love Father Dyer's reading this. I don't even, what, what paper was this? It was, it was, was like women's some, wear day. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, man. And just the, the dialogue between the two of them when he's commenting on why are you shouldn't you be reading the gospels or something? He's like, they don't give you all the fashions. Just I, the 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 comedic timing, the dialogue between these two characters is just hilarious. Yeah. It's great, great dialogue. And I yeah. think that's it's great that you have actors that are doing such a good job, but when they have such great words to 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 work yeah. from, uh I think that's it was great writing and great acting. It's 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 so believable, you know, that that we could see these guys as long longtime friends and and just giving each other shit and but caring about each other. Yeah. It again, that's a result of great acting and great dialogue. Like, you know, you don't even you don't even think about it twice. It's just like, you know, we don't get a lot of that in, in horror movies. Yeah. We just don't. I um, believe these guys are friends. When they we, talk to each other, so I believe they they're friends. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, then we get, and I don't know if this is what's next, but it's the, is it the death of father Dyer? And this one is, I, I know, I know Kinderman is at home and I think he's sleeping and he gets a telephone call. I don't know if it's in the morning. I don't recall either way. He gets a phone call and he goes to the, uh, he goes to the hospital and in the room is, is, yeah. um, what you, which have, I think what happens before that is an important thing to talk so about. Please, yeah. Cause I'm, I forget stuff. Bring it up. Tell so me. he, uh, he is at home and he's sleeping and he's not sleeping very oh, well. And gosh, he has the, the dream, dream sequence. Thank you. Yeah. I forgot about the dream sequence. And the, that's just distracting as all get out for the number of like cameos that I are, understand that this. are, so explain this to me. And, and we could argue it's a dream and you can, do whatever in a dream right yeah. okay yeah. and maybe that's what they're doing here but i didn't understand patrick look i know patrick union yeah, patrick, patrick ewing played at georgetown yeah and of course the film is takes place in georgetown i know i didn't make that connection oh, i was like didn't. oh that's just patrick ewing oh no he, yeah. play, he yeah. played at georgetown he, right. and then earlier in the film you see john thompson 
I think that's his name. And he was the coach of at Georgetown oh. when um, I think when the film was made and he coached uh, Patrick Ewing, uh, John Thompson was the coach and he's in a scene. He's in a scene earlier in the movie and he's in the background. Okay. And then there was Fabio, which and I didn't Fabio, understand Fabio. Another one from earlier when Joseph Dyer, when Father Dyer and Kinderman are eating in the restaurant yeah. is really split. A real quick one is yeah. Larry King. I'm, I saw Larry yes, King Larry in there King for is, some reason. Why is Larry? Is he, I'm going to assume Larry King is from Georgetown. I, I don't know. It would make sense. I didn't put anything together. When I saw these cameos, um, I didn't think that there was any connection to the area or anything. It has just to like be, these right? Just people, you know. I mean, I would think with Patrick Ewing being from you know playing at Georgetown, that was so maybe Fabio. I don't know, man. Maybe Fabio. Fabio. To me, Fabio just seems so. They just needed there. It just didn't make any sense to me. And I I remember saying that when I watched the movie, I'm like, okay, I could I could get I get the Patrick Ewing thing. Um, I didn't catch Larry King, but in the credits, I saw Larry King. Um, and so, so, and there's one more. Do you know what the, no, there was, was the, one um, more, was his voice one? was dubbed over and I didn't catch, I didn't catch this on my uh, last viewing. I caught it on the, the viewing that I did, uh, last week. I'm like, mm. was that? And then I looked it up and it was because his voice has been dubbed over, but mm. Samuel L. Jackson is the blind guy, uh, are listening to the radio. So the angels are sitting there trying yes, to, yeah. trying to reach out to earth and no one's listening. And he says something about the, uh, you know, the living yeah. The living never listen or something, yeah, something like that. Like that. Yeah. But that was Samuel L. Jackson. That was him? Yeah. Why'd they dub over his voice? No idea. I mean, he has a great voice. Probably man. because he said, these motherfuckers ain't listening. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, you can't use it's it. One that's Give him a better one. line. <laughs> that's hilarious, man. Yeah, the dream was weird to me. But again, it's... And it's I a, think it's, it's a, an important thing to go over, though, because... It, it is. It is. Um, I mean, and and it's... Like, I mean, the dream itself bothers me, but in, in the scope of the movie, the dream makes sense or the dream as a whole makes sense because it's a dream man. Yeah. All, all kinds of shit happens and, and there, you can't really control anything. And, and we see, um, and he comes as he's walking through the, it almost looked like an auditorium or something. Is that yeah, what this I th- was? I took it as like a, like a grand central station is like was? a bus okay. station okay. or some, something like that. And he sees the boy, you know, we see the boy. Um, and then we, you know, we see all these other characters and he comes across, um, father Dyer mm-hmm. and he comes across father Dyer. And I thought he was, was he playing chess or something? Or I what thought was he was he doing? playing chess or checkers or something, something, but with Patrick Ewing, right? Yeah. Or, he, yeah. or was he just sitting there because Patrick Ewing is, is doing the tarot cards. Oh, so is that what it he's was? Maybe supposed it was to be the, the angel of death, okay. like playing the tarot cards. So maybe he's just getting a reading maybe. because we established that he's into like fashion and things like that. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but funny. you notice that he's saying, hey, sometimes I wonder if the we're both having the same dream. And he says, no, I'm not dreaming. And you notice that he's yeah. got the scars around his neck. That he's at that point had already been decapitated. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then and yes, yeah, and then we get to again the scene where he gets called to the hospital. He goes into the hospital room, and there's a you know there's a sheet over Father Dyer. Um, what we have to the left of the bed are jar. They look like yeah. little plastic. Are they little plastic little plastic containers? jars or cups with lids? I don't know. There's probably 20, 30 of these things and they have a red liquid in them. Um, very Which clean. I never put together that it was red when I was a kid. Just oh, probably the VHS. I'm like, what? Oh, probably. Yeah. What is the black liquid? Is it motor oil or something? Oh, when so it, it looked my, black. Yeah, the first yeah. time I didn't, I didn't know what it was, but it all looked very, it's very clean, very sterile, like 
Yes. Um, and we have, uh, we have something on the wall, but it's covered up in a sheet. Um, and you know, father and, and actually Kinnerman walks around, of course, does the, his thing. He's looking at the, I think he starts with the right and it starts, I think it starts with the left hand yeah. and then he moves to the right hand and then he asks what these containers are. Well, that's father Dyer's blood. That and is yeah. one of my great, like one of my favorite things about that movie is that just the scene is completely quiet. There isn't a big brooding score, um, a big foreboding, anything. It's completely quiet. And he's yeah. like, what's that? Very yeah. almost casually. Yeah. And yeah. he's just his reaction when he says, what? Like, yeah. Yeah. Almost inaudible. Like, yeah. It's, it's George. <laughs> and I'm going to keep reiterating this. Great actors don't have to say anything and they convey so much. And he, and in this movie, I mean, it's just everywhere. And, and the changeling would be another one. I'd loved him in the changeling, which we've done an episode about a long time ago. He's phenomenal in that. It's the same type of, it's just, he's just a great actor. Yeah. He, he'll, it's just an expression on his face. It could be just a, him pausing or just, it, it could be a hand gesture. It just conveys so much, yeah. man. And he does this throughout the movie and it's so damn good, man. And he, and he does this here and and then, uh, you know, they explained that it's, it's Father Dyer's blood. I don't remember the lead up to, hey, there's, you know, something on the wall. And, of course, he pulls the sheet off and it says it's a wonderful life. Yeah, it was that this is his entire blood supply with the exception of the writing on the wall. And then he that's said, right. well, Thank writing you, on the wall. Yeah. And, and it's that's when he rips the, the plastic or whatever off the wall. And you yeah. see that he had written, it's a yeah. wonderful Full life. life. And that comes into play because there's two, two L's at the end. And, um, you know, what we, what we find out is, so I, I guess I don't want to give it away right yet, right? Um, he's devastated by this, as any of us would be, right? Yes. Not only he is seeing these terrible murders and now there's three of them over the course of a few days um and uh and it was before or after this um i think it might have been before that they are doing the scene because he was the, there was the scene where he was having the fingerprint analysis you know the fingerprint engineer i don't know what oh, that guy's called yeah he's telling him that uh he needs to pat or dust the inside of the uh confession booth for fingerprints this is why because you're just going to get the fingerprints of so he puts together how the killer would have reached through and closed the door and before then he um is they're getting the analysis back and they realize that these two um killings were done by the same person so the fingerprints that they found on the yeah. inside of the confession booth is the same fingerprints that they found on the oars the boy was crucified on and they said no and that's yeah. where he's for you know two different people did this yeah and then father dyer gets killed and so this is the third killing and he's like okay somebody got into this hospital yeah so we need to lock this hospital down and it could be anybody here yeah and i think that plays into the next scene where the hospital administrator is arguing with them because he wants to take fingerprints from all the patients. He wants to yeah. take fingerprints yeah. from all the doctors. Yeah. And he's not having that. No. And he's, he's very, he's very pissed off and irate about this. And, you know, and this is where we get this scene with George C. Scott. It's, it's this 
this flip with him, it's like he's trying to explain and then he chokes up, man. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. look, this is emotional for me. My best friend just died and he died in this horrific manner, first yeah. of all, um, on top of everything else that's been transpiring the last few days. And he explains to him the, you know, uh, as to the Gemini killer, you know, when when all the, these deaths were occurring with the Gemini killer, he had a certain MO, right? Yes. He would do this and this and this. He'd do these things. And so everyone, you know, you get these wackos that come in and they, they turn themselves in. I'm the Gemini killer. Okay. Well then tell me, you know, and, and so what they did is they fed, uh, you know, they fed out misinformation. Yeah. So that way that we could weed out all the crazies, you know? So, you know, uh, I, I don't recall what the, what the specifics were. I think one was like. You know, one was that they cut off this finger and then on the back of the, you know, on the back, he carved like the Gemini sign or something like that. Yeah. And that wasn't the case. The case was the actual killer would cut off, say the index finger on this hand and would carve the symbol in the other, in the palm of the other hand. But see, no one knew that. And he's explaining this to, to everybody. No one knew that other than the people who worked the case. Yep. Richmond homicide. Yeah. Which is another plot hole we could talk about later. Okay, yeah. Not a plot hole. It's not a yeah, plot hole. Yeah. So, you know, so he, he's, he's explaining this on, on this. And this is why we need to do this. Because no one knew this. And now we have three murders that kind of follow the MO of the Gemini killer. Yes. And so, but... But, you know, from from a standpoint of like a lieutenant and you knew the guy was executed or died or whatever it was, whether he got shot by a ton of bullets or he was executed, he's mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. What the hell's happening here? Yeah. How is this How killer is this, yeah. have the correct M.O. of the original Gemini killer? Yeah. And so he's I think it's around the time he you know, I don't know if the doctor if Dr. Temple has. I know, I know there's a scene where he's walking around the hospital and that's a great scene. Yeah. And so he, he walks around the hospital and he goes by one of the, is it, is it a psychiatric or what, what ward is is that? It's it's, like a, it's a hospital. So I think it's a standard hospital, but they also have a psychiatric wing and they have kind of a convalescent wing where there are Alzheimer's patients and autistic patients and things like that. And then there is the lockdown area for violent, you know, troubled violent yeah. people and we and and i don't remember if we've if we've already gotten where he's you know talked to any of the 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 elderly you know women um you know because i know one of the uh fingerprints comes back and it's a match to her yes i don't recall if we've we've done it i think he has talked to her about that you know do you remember being in this room because one of the nurses say hey you know, look, did anything weird, did you see anything weird? And he, she goes, I didn't see anything except for this. And she basically says, look, I found our patient passed out. I don't remember if she was nude or not. She might've been new. I don't remember. Maybe. Yeah. And we found her out, you know, not too far from, you know, uh, father Dyer's room. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting enough. Let's, let's question her. And um, so they question her. And of course, you know, She's got Alzheimer's or she's, I don't know what she has, but it's completely not lucid, incoherent. Like it's not like this, this type of, this particular woman or person could not have done what she did. It would have just taken too much. They want to know if she saw what happened. Yeah, It's in the last thing they're considering is that she is the the person who committed these murders. And and as the audience, we are as well. Right. I mean, you look at her going, yeah, there's no way this, this fragile older woman could do something like this, something, you know, and um, again, it's such a great performance the, yeah. the old one that at, 
it, I'm looking at it and I'm going, is this an old lady that really has Alzheimer's? And she yeah. doesn't know that she's in a movie right now because her performance oh, is amazing. It she's was perfect. Really good, man. Um, but doesn't at this point, doesn't, um, you know, Kinderman, doesn't he, he walks around a little bit and comes across the psychiatric ward where yes. he his, his, hear does he hear his name called? Right. I think he hears a name, Mike. And, and so he stops. And he goes and he peeks into the room, and this is where we get the first glimpse yeah. of, this is the thing, we're going to call him Father Karras, but it's really the Gemini killer. And he hasn't looked at him yet. He, no. Uh, Dr. Temple, who's played by, is it Scott Wilson? I forget. Who was in The Walking Dead he was later. The Walking Dead, yeah. I think his name was Scott Wilson, but- He's showing him around the, you know, the wing and he's explaining the security. So if we have these violent people, they can't get out because the door has to be so, you know, yeah. combination lock. Long story short. So he looks in the window and he sees a patient sitting there in a straight jacket, doesn't have any idea who it is. He, you're just getting kind of a silhouette. Yeah. Um, and that's as far as it goes in that particular scene. Yes. And what point does he come back, though, to, oh, it's because, because Dr. Temple. Yes calls for uh kinderman and it's funny there's he's that rehe- great scene yeah yeah where he's rehearsing what he wants to you know talk to yeah, him about chain and stuff. smoking yeah. and just saying you know that did that- it bother you how he was holding his cigarette i wanted dude it, it, look I, i've a never little. smoked a cigarette so but i i've seen people and who holds a damn cigarette like that when they smoke do people I don't do that know. i mean i I, I do remember being weird. I just thought that that man is dealing with a certain level of anxiety right now. And, and, and there, he's holding, you know, his lines. He's holding, <laughs> he'd written down what he wanted to say and he was in his office rehearsing it. Yeah. Um. So I didn't give too much. It didn't bother me too much. I just assumed that this is a man who's really, really awkward right now. You think so? I could have been that. What I, what it, what it, what it spanked to me was like, He's an actor that never smoked in his life, but the but his character was required yeah. to smoke, and he was holding it all. Funky. Isn't it funny how in some movies you can tell yeah. when an actor doesn't really smoke <laughs> and they're playing a character that smokes, which yeah. is happening, you know, fewer and fewer times these days. Yeah. Um, but you can tell that this person isn't holding it. I did smoke for a number of years. Did you really? So, yeah. Oh, um, I mean, a good ten years of my life. And oh, so you did. Oh, I didn't know that. It's just like any any mannerisms or anything that somebody does when you when you do the thing, you you know the natural way it's done. Or let's mm-hmm. say same way that you're watching a baseball movie and and you can tell that yeah. that, that guy isn't a real baseball player. <laughs> true, you know? true, true. Because I can have seen baseball players play baseball and he's not doing it right. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um so so yeah, so he talks so Dr. Temple talks with Kinderman. Yeah explains hey you know so then he goes into this is where kinderman goes into the room and i I, I, he explains that um that 15 years ago this guy came the the cops picked this guy up and they brought him in and he was completely out of it catatonic completely catatonic in the book they call him mr sunshine because they would they explained that they would take him into the the common room where everybody was and he wouldn't talk to anybody he wouldn't say anything, but as the sun would filter through and in, into the room and, and land on something, he would get up and go sit in the sun. Oh. And as the day progressed and the sun was moving around, he would just get up and move to the sun uh, really? in the room. So years go by, and obviously he they say he recently came to, and, and yeah. go ahead yeah. and take it from there. Well, I mean, so Kinderman you know, gets a look at this guy, and he goes, I think he comes out, and he's kind of taken back and he's like look 
you know, um, I believe this to be, you know, my friend, yeah. Father Karras. And but that's he where the speech died, was, yeah. Yeah, but he died 15 years ago. But I believe this is this is him. And and um I don't do they do they get in does shortly after does he does he go and talk with the Gemini killer? Because there's 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 a lot of those scenes. I just don't recall like in which sequence do they happen. They're yeah. all great. Um and, you know, and this is where, you know, we get we kind of get the first of, of Brad Dorif and, and and him doing his you know, uh kind of showing off his acting chops because he's phenomenal and this, this is where the like powerhouse acting yeah. takes place and, and the, the exchanges between these two. And I don't recall, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't recall all of the, the exchanges and everything that's said, but I, I mean, he's basically, he's basically telling them what, you know, what he's been doing. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the Gemini killer. He's responsible he, for all these deaths. Yeah. He doesn't get into uh, how he's doing it. No. Um, I think the first time, you know, Kinderman goes in and he recognizes the patient as Damien Karras. Yeah. And he's better. Which, uh, side note on this, you realize that as soon as Father Dyer was murdered, um, you have to, like, the the critic in me is going, he should really consider recusing himself from this investigation because his friend just got murdered yeah. and he's still heading up the investigation. <laughs> right. And none of the cops around him are even suggesting, hey, maybe you're a little too close to this one, Bill. Yeah, right. <laughs> but so he he recognizes Damien, Damien Karras and he's friends with Damien Karras. And despite what we had discussed earlier about their entire relationship taking yeah. place over the course of the last movie. Um, but. So now he's recognizing this person as a, a friend of his, and he needs to speak with this person. And again, like, I think you're a little too close to this one, Bill. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, no, 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 George C. Scott can handle it. <laughs> he can like, handle this, yeah. <laughs> um, so he goes in and Jason Miller uh, starts, which I think it it's important to mention that in, there was a director's cut of this film that came out that omitted Jason Miller completely. That's not I, interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, and I actually think that the theatrical version for this reason works better. Yeah. I really do like Jason Miller's performance in this. I do too. I have I've not seen the director's cut or the other version, so I can't speak to it, but I you know, I've seen this one several times. I like the idea that he is here. Yeah. I like I like this I like this kind of change, right? It's you know, one second it's we see we see Father Karras. You know, and then the next second we see the Gemini killer. Yes. And, but, but I don't think we, I don't think George C. Scott, he sees him, but he doesn't. It's like at times it's weird to me because it's almost like a switch, like, and maybe it's the belief it's this, you know, is he believing or is he not believing? Is it, you know, because, you know, the cynical side in, in George C. Scott, it's, you know, it, do you think that at times he he believes and sometimes he isn't believing? Or I, do you think he's seen what we're seeing at all times? I think he's experienced. I think it's we're discovering this with him. And I, the reason why I think that the uh, Jason Miller being in the movie is important is that we as the audience are discovering that Father Karras is still alive. And that's the important part of having him in that role. Yeah. Um. I don't think that George C. Scott, I don't think that Kinderman believes this patient. I, it's beyond his realm of possibility. He, yeah. He's not on the level right now. He's like, I need to talk to this person to find out what's going on here. Yeah. Because this is a coincidence and we need to yeah. figure out what's happening. But I don't think he believes just yet. Takes a, takes a little bit, um, yeah. And I think that just the, um, the dramatic reveal of uh, Brad Dorff taking over when he 
George C. Scott is telling him the Gemini killer is dead. And then that really visceral reaction from Brad Dorif saying, no, I am not. And then you suddenly see in Brad Dorif for the first time was heavy. It was awesome. I I loved that sequence. I love, but then, but then right afterwards, he like almost apologizes, right? Like it's, I I think he does. I think he he wants something from George C. Scott's character. What was he continually asking him? He's like, you need to make sure that the papers refer to these killings as the Gemini killings. So he can't be too demanding of him. He has to pull it back and then start befriending this guy because he needs him to do something. And, and I mean, do you think simply because, okay. So we know we know serial killers. I mean, look, I don't know any serial killers, but I'm just saying we, we you know from our experience, you know, uh, through movies and and TV and and who television shows, whatever, dude, whatever it is, uh, books, you know, things that we've seen online or read about. Serial killers are you know they're sociopaths, right? They they think a certain way, you know. Yep. And so so this would be this would make sense that look, I want to get credit for these things. Yeah. I want credit for this. You know, I am the Gemini killer. You think he's dead. I am the Gemini killer. And I've done these murders and I want, and I want, I want you to, to let everyone know. Yeah. And it's important to that character because the motivation for the killings um, was to, and you find this out in the book is that the whole reason the Gemini killer is uh, going on was to shame his evangelist father, whose name was Carl with a K. With a K. Yeah. And so he wants to, continue and in the book carl is actually still alive so it's very important to the gemini killer to know that he is still beyond the grave shaming his father by continuing these killings so now do you remember um what was the significance of the two l's was it because of his father i i I just think it was in the letters that he because it's obviously spoiler alert the gemini killer is actually based on the zodiac Zodiac killer from you know the san francisco which is another i'm gonna have to go on this tangent go ahead because i'm thinking that in and jason miller describes you know that his first murder was a uh I forget the gal's name, but he had picked her up near Candlestick Park. Candlestick, I did. I caught so that. Yeah. It took place in, and he says before too, no one outside of Richmond homicide knew that. So Kinderman knew that. So that would, it would be reasonable to, to believe that Kinderman was at one point or another, since he was on the Gemini case, mm-hmm. a detective all the way on the other side of the country in the Bay mm. Area. But 15 years prior, he was still in the, the yeah. Georgetown area, yeah. you know, on the periphery of the original exorcism. Am I overthinking that one? No, I don't think so. Because I mean, I caught the candles. To, see what I see. I didn't know. I didn't get that part. Like I, I just assumed that Kinderman had always been in Georgetown, but did the Gemini killer, did he move around? You know, because we know, you know, usually serial killers yeah. will stay in an area, but I mean, he could have started in California and then he yeah. moved his way, you know, um, back well, maybe east, that was I mean, a way to honor, you know, since they knew they were, you know, they did it in Dirty Harry too. They ripped off the the Zodiac killer. Yeah, maybe that was a way to kind of pay homage to the victims have that have never gotten justice for those killings. Is that uh, we're not going to say the Gemini killer took place in Georgetown? Yeah, we need to, you know, honor the original victims in the San Francisco mm, Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Did all the killings have take place in the Bay Area for the Zodiac? As far as I know, yeah. I. I haven't really dug into that one yeah i haven't i mean i I, i've heard of the the zodiac of course i you know there's a 
it's a weird, you know, and I'm sure other people have it. It's a weird fascination that you have with with serial killers. It's not like we condone anything they do, but it's interesting. It's like it's kind of like the mob, right? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I would never want to be, you know, like have anything, you know, be involved with it or, you know, any of that, but it's but it's interesting. Like you you know, you sit down and watch Goodfellas or you watch whatever, you know, The Godfather. It's it's interesting. It's yeah, it's, it's an extreme it, example of what a human being is capable of. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you don't want to use the word extraordinary because that's kind of, you hear that and you think, oh, that's a good thing. No, this no. is extraordinary in yeah. the most awful, worst possible way. Exactly, exactly. But I've always been fascinated, man. I don't know about you, but I've always been fascinated with that. You know, if a, a documentary comes out on, you know, I think one came out on, God, I thought it was Ted Bundy maybe last year, or the year before. I sat down and I watched it on whatever it was, Netflix. You know, it was, it was interesting, man, you know. Uh, fun fact, I understand that uh, Exorcist 3 was Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movie. I read something about oh, this. Oh, shit. Um, I, I don't know if when they had gotten, uh, when he had been arrested or something, but he had watched The Exorcist 3 with one of his victims. Oh, Jesus. So. Yeah. Well, that guy was a fucking, damn, that guy was a fucking weirdo, man. Yeah. Yes. Um, but anyways, uh, okay, so where are we? Uh, we have some awesome dialogue with uh, Brad Dorff and George C. Scott. Uh, and that's where a lot of the exposition comes in, yeah. where he starts to describe that uh, perhaps he his possession of Father Karras had been facilitated by Pazuzu as yeah. retribution for Father Karras, you know, yeah. uh, exercising him from Reagan. Because, I mean, with, with yeah, so... so if, so Pazuzu essentially has said, look, I, I, you're eventually going to do some things for me. Um, I'm going to put you into this body and down the road. And we know it took 15 years because there's there is some there is some dialogue mm-hmm. where, look, you know, Father Karras's brain was mush. man. Yes, he was. He was dead. He was dead. Yes. And so and so it took 15 years for the soul or the spirit or whatever you call it, the soul of the Gemini killer to to kind of bring back this, this, you know, to reconstitute the brain. Yeah. You know, and it took him this long to do. And so, um, you know, and so, so I, and now he can, but this is the thing, man, we don't, okay. So we'll say Pazuzu, the demon, the demon is, is basically controlling these, these, um, I guess the elderly, the, the, these women, Mm -hmm. right. Because these killings are happening, someone's doing them, but it's it's no one seems to know anything. We get a we get a fingerprint. It's this this, this old woman. How is this happening? Like yes. what is what is going on here? And 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 so Pazuzu essentially is taking over the the minds or the yeah, really the mind and the body of these women because they're 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 catatonic or or and or alzheimer's so their brain is just not it just doesn't function like ours do and so so they're easily easily taken over yeah and that's what's happening yeah and that's what's and if you think about it how often i mean i guess if there was a murderer i mean would you suspect a 70 60 70 year old woman that's no no, of course not you're not and so so and i don't know if there was a line i thought he said i don't remember what brad dorf said but I thought there was a line that he said something about friends or 
Yes. I have, I have, cl- ah, damn yeah, it, I can't he said, how do you get out? Yeah. Uh, how do you how get you, out? Or the doctor's letting you out. I think he said at one point, and he just said friends. Friends. You know, like very close. casually, yeah. very knowingly, like, I'm not, I'm not giving you all the information. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but I mean, you know, he's, I don't remember, again, man, it's, just, it's hard to jump from scene to scene and remember every single thing, but I know, I know he goes, I know Kinderman goes to, to talk with, um, I think that older lady, I don't remember her name. And this, is this the scene where we get, where she's crawling on the ceiling? Because yeah. we had, we know that, uh, I just don't remember. I'm trying to remember the sequence in, in dialogue because, and I think this is, might be after when there's, cause there's another banter back and forth where, where he explains, he explains, I used Dr. Temple you know, to get, to get you here mm-hmm. so that I could have you do all of these things, you know? And, and then I think Dr. Temple, I don't know if he, and we see him dead, but did he, I assume he killed himself. He committed suicide because there was a needle or, yeah, was, or was that simply the demon taking him over? I don't know. I don't know. I never really got that. I assumed, I have assumed the entire time that it was suicide. See, that's what I thought. Too. Um, and but now that you mention it, maybe not, you know, then in, in the book there, there, it's a little different in the book. I think the Dr. Temple character in the book of, of Legion is kind of played by it's two different characters. Oh, okay. So there's a, um, uh, a Dr. M Fortis and he is on his way out. So he's leaving, mm-hmm. um, because he has been doing this research. His wife had died tragically and he's been doing this research where he's, you know, recording the air and, He's trying to record in his house and he's recording voices mm. and he's going as far. And long story short, I don't want to get into because it's got nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. Uh, Temple is like the, the other doctor who's kind of like the, the braggart, um, the, you know, less scrupulous doctor. Mm, okay. Um, and uh, so he doesn't, uh, I don't think he dies in the book. I don't think he even dies mm. in the book, but M. Fortis turns out he's got a, uh, a tumor in his head and okay. he's on his way out. Okay. Um, where that matters into this, uh, I'm not sure, but I, I don't think temple had anything to do with, um, with that in the, I just think temple was on his way out in, in the movie. You think so? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, cause you could take it both ways. Yeah. He, he felt terrible about all these things. He, he, he basically, you know, the Gemini killer, you know, or Pazuzu, you know, brought basically forced him forced him to to kind of get come in contact with Kinderman maybe the guilt or or maybe. or Pazuzu man i mean Pazuzu, you know Pazuzu it seems like Pazuzu can do just about anything um honestly it could have been like the gemini killer possessed one of the patients and murdered dr temple maybe oh yeah that's true too i mean but but see okay so the but the gemini so okay the gemini himself father Karis slash you know the gemini killer i don't think he can he can possess them i think this is pazuzu who's possessing him he is just kind of like he's kind of like a kind of like i hate to say this yeah. like the like pazuzu's bitch right that's yeah, what i think I mean, is happening because Be- he makes the comment you know you need friends and in the place that i'm at you need friends yes. and i have a friend yes um but i don't feel like there's a thing that did that makes sense later when when you have the uh, exorcism with Father Morning, um, but I have always assumed that it was um, that 
Pazuzu kind of facilitated the possession of Father Karras. Okay. And yep, that, that makes sense. That's where the Gemini killer learned how to do it. And then he is also the one that he's getting directed because there are people like it's very purposeful. Like it's revenge. He, the Pazuzu wants revenge. That's why uh, okay. the boy, Thomas Kintry, yeah. that's murdered at the beginning. Uh, there's a whole they reveal later that it was his mother was the expert that um, worked with Father Karras to decipher the language that yeah. Reagan was Reagan was speaking. Yeah, re, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because all, all the killings they all mean something. They all yes. they all have some sort of yeah. And some I think Father Canavan was the one uh, I want to say that had approved the original that had could, reviewed could, and could approved the original um, exorcism. And then, of um, course, we know Father Dyer. We know, you know, yes. the relevance there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe, you know, now that you're saying it, it, it makes sense, right? It's like it took the 15 years to get to this point. And, and, if, and if he was, and if, say, the Gemini killer was, was taught or given these, I don't know, I hate to say yeah. powers, but, you know, um, then, okay, and, and and as and as a kind of as a um I don't know if it's a it's like look I'm gonna do this for you but in return you're gonna do these things for me yes. but it took it took the 15 years and to get to end, that point yeah and at the end though too was was Father Morning there to exercise the Gemini Killer from Father Karras or was Father Morning there to exercise Pazuzu because I had always taken it that it was Pazuzu stepping in. Um, at the end there, and that's why you know Father Karras's eyes were you know there's the mm-hmm. close up of Father yeah. Karras's eyes that I always took it as like that was the demon that I mean it was there, and that's why he was able to create the illusion in the room and all the yeah. hallucinations yeah. and things yeah. like that that it was Pazuzu. But we I think we both know now that the exorcism doesn't exist in the book. It William Peter Blatty did not want it in the movie. Yeah. They just insisted on that sequence being inserted at the end because they were making a movie called fucking Exorcist <laughs> 3. Exorcist, we got to have an exorcism in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, Who there knows? you go. I mean, there you, there, you, there you go. I mean, you know, if, it's, if it wasn't in the book. <laughs> yeah. Make a then, comment when you listen to this and tell us what you think. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Because I, I have not read the book. And, and in the director's cut, he didn't have that that ending anyways to me you know and and as i was telling you earlier you know donovan was we were talking about it yesterday and he was like yeah the the ex the exorcism as a whole this it's just there's no it's not necessary like i feel any scenes with father morning like if you go back through and watch the movie there's like there's like one scene where he's in his bedroom and i think this bird dies and the cross falls off and then I don't know if there was another scene with him, but it's like, well, none of this is really I know, relevant. I know, I mean, but at the same time, I actually feel like that um, that particular um, character echoed Father Marin in the first movie. Like, you have this entire sequence of Father Marin in the original Exorcist, yeah. where he's in Iraq, he's yeah. an archaeologist, and but suddenly at the end of the movie, he's the one that shows up. The actual protagonist of of the exorcism is Damien Karras, but he's just the, you know, the guy assisting the exorcism. Yeah. And so in the hmm. same way you have, because Father Marin is not connected to the plot of the exorcist until he arrives to perform the exorcism. Yeah. Um, Father Karras is. Father, uh, you know, George C. Scott is the protagonist of this situation right now. And Father 
uh, morning is on the outskirts of it. And he's the one that shows up at the end. So you're echoing the first mm. exorcism mm. in that for me anyway. Yeah. You think, I mean, to me in the first one, it, it made sense. I never questioned it. Like, okay, that makes sense. Like in this one, it felt it felt, I don't know, man, pushed on me or something like it didn't, it didn't belong. And now knowing that that scene wasn't even supposed to exist makes more sense to me. Like, and I always felt that way. Like I didn't really, I didn't get a lot of this father morning. Like we got a lot. We got a lot at the beginning of the exorcist with father, um, Marin. father Marin, you know, Max von Sydow, rest in peace. Uh, you know, we got a lot of that at the beginning. You know, in fact, this, you know, uh, the, the scene where um, he's uh, in, he's in Iraq and he goes up to the, the ruins yeah. and he's, that's, he stands, it's like, and he sees Pazuzu. It's like, it's almost like this foreshadowing. You and I are going to meet. That great shot of yes. them, like, just like two fighters on a, right? on a title card of a fight. You know, yeah. these guys are going to do mm-hmm. battle later. But great, I don't, I don't great shot. That. Yes, but I don't get that with this. Like. I don't know. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't like it wasn't. I didn't take it as. I just took it as an echo of that. You okay. know, something kind of yeah. a, a, a just a whisper of that. And and honestly, I'm probably creating something where where it wasn't supposed to be because we all know it wasn't supposed to be there. No, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just saying it that it worked for me. The other thing about the uh, exorcism at the end that that did work for me is that the entire plot of the movie you have George C. Scott who is this character who, who is in a crisis of faith in the same way that Damien Karras was in a crisis of faith during the exorcism. Yeah. Um, the exorcist, the first. Yeah. Um, and at the end of it, when, uh, spoiler alert, Father Morning is defeated, yeah. um, which I always thought he died to a rewatch or realize, he, no, he wasn't dead because he was the one that picked up the cross at the yeah. very end. Yeah. Um, was that, through all of this discussing, you know, he's he's a cop. He's a grizzled cop that has seen all of these terrible things. And he has that great line where he says, you know, when your God is just casually dancing around the universe like some <laughs> kind of cosmic Billy Burke, um, that he has this great speech at the end where he says, I believe, you know, I yeah. believe in sickness and, and uh, you know, and all of these things. And you realize yeah. that he, in a way, is rediscovering his faith while he's being pinned to the wall by a demon. Yeah. And just, you know, most people come to faith by praying and finding Jesus. He, or whatever he, he's coming to his faith and finding God by doing battle with a, you know, with a demon. Yeah. And I just thought that was, I had never seen that element put into a story that involves, you know, heavens and gods and and devils and regular men and grizzled, you know, police lieutenants. Yeah. Yeah. And you think, and and really, it's that kind of change in his mindset that now I, that that belief, that kind of how it tripped and changed, really is what kind of saved him. I right? think that that's what his, yeah, that was yeah. his spiritual arc in the film, if he has one, was yeah. that he's questioning all of this. He's questioning, you know, whatever faith he may or may not have had in his life. Yeah. In the end, in that in that room, you know going face to face with the the Pazuzu or the Gemini killer or whoever else he discovers that he does believe that God is there. Well, if, 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 yeah, I mean, he, he, if he believes in this demon and he believes in all these other things, then well, I got to believe in this. I mean, right. I guess it's that kind of balance, you know, the good and evil, you know, if you're going to have a character arc, it's as good as any really. 
Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we know, you know, we know that, um, you know, he, he does his spiel, you know, the uh, father morning, you know, after he's been, skin's been ripped off. That was gnarly. He dude. was played, man. Dude, that was gnarly. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, that was one of the scenes I did never liked. Look, it's a, it's a, it's, it looked great. And it's, it's nasty though. I, I never, lo- I never liked skin being ripped off, man. No. I don't, I don't think I don't, I don't think I don't we're like supposed it, to. I, it's funny, man. It's like, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast. When I was younger, I could I could tolerate that stuff more. I now I am not tolerant of it. Like I don't. I would prefer not to watch movies where skin or stuff is being ripped off and people you know cutting them. I'm just not into it. Another great thing about this movie is that it all of the terrible, gruesome things they're just described. They're not going to show you, you know, yeah. you're not watching, um, you're not watching to go back to Hellraiser. You're not watching Pinhead and the gang rip someone's flesh from their, from their bones. Like these things happen in this film and you know, these horrible things happen in this film, but they don't need to show it to nope. you. They nope. let your imagine your imagination yeah. run wild with it. And it's so much more effective than if you were to just put it in everyone's face. Yep. I agree, man. I totally agree. You know, what part we forgot we forgot about and, and again, you know, we jump around is that jump scare. That jump oh scare. Oh my God. Yes. Um, the, well, I don't even know what tool that is, but it's a tool they use. I'm, I'm it's sure in some surgery or amputation. something. Amputation. I've never that heard that of is? that. This, I'm pretty sure this device exists only in this movie. In this movie. If, <laughs> if any of you guys know, and you've seen one is, I, I'd be interested to know, but it's a terrifying piece of equipment. Oh my God. I, um, so my son is seven years old and Andrew, what's up, man? I'm going to let you listen to this. I love you, Johnny. You too. I love you too, buddy. So I got a seven year old that's obsessed with horror films and I'm, oh my God, that's I, awesome. Though. I'm against my better judgment. I'm, I've let him watch a couple of things and I figure, okay, I'm going to let him watch, you know, this movie and I'm going to explain to him. Some people think it's fun to be scared for monsters to do these things. And, yeah. And it's already having bad results. This is a horrible <laughs> mistake that nobody should do. Um, but he was talking about jump scares earlier this week. And mm. I said, kid, I'm going to show you the original jump scare. Yeah. I'm going to show you the best jump scare of all time. So I played the sequence for him. He was not impressed. He's like, my seven-year-old says that was not a very good jump Dude, scare at all. I'm like, you're out of your mind, kid. And I realize I'm having yeah. an, a horror movie argument with, with a seven-year-old. A seven-year-old. Dude, I, I've had discussions with, I was, I, I had mentioned my, my, my goddaughter, Shaylee, even, I don't know if Andrea, my daughter has watched Exorcist, um, but, but, but Shaylee, for instance, she, she doesn't find the Exorcist scary and I've had arguments with her, but I, I realize I can't, I can't argue with a teenager. Um, it's because yeah. of, and, and I argue it's because of the, the, des- you know, everyone's desensitizes these kids. You can hop on a phone and find just about any crazy thing you want or hop yeah. on your TV or whatever. And I think that's. You know, that's what's happened. And I don't know if that's the case with your son, but that, that jumps, I've seen this movie many times. I work at the theater, as I told you, I used to go in there and I used to try to, I used to try to, uh, plan it out so I could see that jump scare. Cause I just, it was one of my favorite parts in the, and it still gets me. I know it's coming. It's yeah. so damn scary, man. Well, and I think a lot of that has to do with the camera work of the filming. There's a lot of still shots. There's not, you know, these days. I feel like everything these days that comes out is filmed with handheld cameras. So you're seeing like the shaky camera work. This one, this, the cameras don't move. They're still shots and they stay in the same spot from the same perspective in the room. And all of these things can be happening. Um, 
you know, around the scene. And then suddenly it's a very fast zoom right in. And so it's not a jump scare in the sense that the decibel level goes from zero to yeah. 120 and literally scare you out of your seat to, yeah. to kick you out of your seat with sound. It's subtle. It's movement. It's not loud. And I don't know, it's just, it's such a great scare. It's such a, what I like about this scene as well is you got this nurse. I think this is nurse Keating. Nurse Keating. And, you know, we have the, you know, we know that the, the hospital has been locked down and we have cops in all these different areas and there's a cop there and it's that with everything that's going on it's that idea of the security right yes and 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 i'm watching this going i i understand her thought process you know but before i go and investigate this this room where i'm hearing noises yeah this is where father dyer died and the room is locked up i'm hearing this noise but I'm making sure that this police officer or security or whatever he is, yeah. is there. They're because, literally police officers right? guarding the hospital yes. because there may or may not be a serial killer moving freely around the grounds. Yes. Um, so the, I will admit the last time I watched this, I was like, eh, I, they, they should have put some kind of a change of guard in there. Um, that somebody's heading off to the restroom or something like that. I Instead feel like just the last yeah. cop leaving the frame happened just a little too soon before. More con- really yeah. convenient kind because of Because that was a pretty gruesome way to go. Like, yes. you're going to spill some blood. Like, any cop that comes back around within the next two minutes is going to see a mess on the floor. Yes, that is true. But I, I just love the scene because I, 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 you know, I try to put myself into that into the, say the movie or that scene and how I would feel if I'm say nurse Keating, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm this nurse, whatever I am at this hospital and all this stuff has happened. And, but again, it's that security. It's like, okay, well you're here. Okay. I'm going to go and get the keys and I'm going to lock it and I'm going to see what's going on, man. You know, because that other person is here yeah. and then that thing is just stripped away and it's just that, and you feel that man. I mean, you feel it, man. And, and that's what I love. And I, yeah, it's I, such I, a great scare. It, it's a great scare. And the movie is just so darn good and effective, man. I just, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's anyone, a great film. It's I, a great yeah, film. It, it really is. It, it holds up, man. It holds up, you know, because this is 1990 and I'll go back and I'll watch movies, you know, um, like hell you and I chatted about Hellraiser. I, it just didn't hold up for me. It, it was cool in 87, Hell, it was probably cool in 1990, and then when I rewatched it several other times, it just didn't hold up for me. This, yeah. this, this is the same. I feel this is the same movie I watched in 1992. This now. movie is just as effective yeah. now as it as it would have been. It's, yeah, it ages well. It is. But uh, any dude, do we did we gloss over anything? Do we leave anything out? I I know at the very end, and I brought this up earlier in the episode. And again, it's, I, I do this sometimes and I get so pissed off at myself. I, I focus on small things and maybe they mean nothing, but I know Exorcist came out in 73. So I would, unless, and I, and I don't recall, I'd have to rewatch the Exorcist. Does it say anywhere, you know, a date or a time? I mean, I guess we could just. We I can't remember yeah. ever seeing any, any kind of a date stamp somewhere in the Okay, film. so so it's possible. So at the very end, when they show, you know, Father Karras' tombstone, it says 75. And I guess, you know, that's possible. And it's I tend possible. to knock it. Yeah, that's you don't one thing. Ro- I, I get roped up in little stupid things like that. And things like that, because sometimes, you know, there are movies, I, I, 
where it's just, I can imagine everything happening right now. You know, yeah. it's just 75. Oh, that was this and that. And I make yeah. the connections. Um, you know, I, I don't remember there being any kind of a date stamp or you try to okay. say like, okay, what baseball game was on television <laughs> yeah, at the time? Who was true. that? You know, I mean, just because it there's came clues, out, yeah, but it, it yeah. really could be taking place whenever it could, know? it could be, it could be. Yeah, that's true. I, I do that all the time. I don't know. Sometimes I focus on stupid little things, but now they yeah. have entire people whose job it is, is to make sure the continuity of the film is right. And they still screw <laughs> they up still screw from up. time to time. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, man, anything else? No, I can't think of anything else good. that we, you know, I think we hit on just about everything. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you need to go and I don't know, these days, I guess, stream it. I don't know. Yes. I, I guess. If you uh, haven't seen The Exorcist 3, which you, I would assume that you haven't seen The Exorcist 3 because you didn't like Exorcist 1 or because you didn't like Exorcist 2. But oh. if you haven't seen Exorcist 3... Go see the film. It's a great movie. Completely Get forget it. about part two. Just don't yeah. even put it in the equation. Go and check it out because you're going to enjoy it. It'd be good to know that William Peter Blatty and William Friedkin had nothing to do with The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Yeah. Uh, William Peter Blatty wrote the original Exorcist, and this is based on his, you know, this is the true sequel to The Exorcist. Yes. So. Yes. So check it out. Um, I guess that's it, man. Hey, thanks again again for coming out. I appreciate Um, you having me out again. Yeah, man. Like I said, I was saying earlier, hey, go check out, um, you know, hop on Instagram and go follow Lesser Lesser Sons Band. Uh, You know, Facebook is Lesser Sons and, you know, check out their music on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, man. It was a pleasure having you out. Um, Thank you. Like I said in the previous Hellraiser episode, man, I wanted you out for the longest time, but with the pandemic, it just didn't happen yeah, yeah i'm just so, glad we've been able to do this i've been listening to the show for a long time and there's a lot of really good work here you guys are doing great stuff yeah, so man. i'm glad you had me out to i appreciate let me be a part of it and and if you're willing we'll have you out again and Wonderful. you know it'd awesome. Be awesome cool man well hey everyone uh, take care and thanks again for listening you listened all the way to the end we appreciate that don't forget to follow us on instagram at ear for fear podcast twitter at ear for fear and subscribe to our youtube channel at ear for fear podcast you can also check out our website, earforfear.com. There we list news and events. We're available on all the main platforms, so make sure you tell a friend. We hope you come back and get an earful.